7 to 8 p.m. Sport on with Tabi Somosia. Thank you, Greg. A very good evening. Welcome to the show. I am not alone as always. I am with Eluyolam Kalip and Katlaho Mudiba, the producers of the show. Babalam Duma is our technical producer and Debuho Khadebe on social media. We like to talk about boxing on Wednesdays and tonight is no different as we will speak to the newly recognized Steve Chouette, a Lifetime Achievement Award recipient, Mr. Stan Christodoulou, who was honored at the recent SA Sport Awards on Sunday night by the Minister of Sport, Togozile Klaasa. Now, uh, Mr. Christodoulou didn't get a chance to say his thank you speech uh, because I think it was because of time issues so we've afforded him that opportunity and we want to give him a platform here uh, to say his thank you speech that he couldn't get to at the SA Sport Awards because we think that uh, this uh, uh, this is a uh, well deserved here uh, this uh, recognition uh, Steve Trader Lifetime Achievement Award. We'll also catch up with the boxer IBO WBC International Welterweight Champion Tulani Mbenge if you've not heard about him he's nicknamed the Evolution he has been tipped to become uh, one of the country's finest products and his record of 14 and 0 so far says that he is on track to do that Utulani Mbenge. He's got a fight in December so he'll talk to us about that but we'll also find out and get a bit of background about where he comes from what is he hoping to achieve in the sport and some of his highlights so far. He's also taken part of course he's a medalist actually at the Commonwealth Games. It was uh, in Scotland 2014. He got bronze there Utulani Mbenge so he'll speak to us about all of that but we'll start off the conversation by speaking to SA Hockey. They announced their new national team women's coach last week. And interestingly, this position is on a volunteer basis, which means that the national team coach does not get paid. And we will speak to SA Hockey and find out more about this. You would think that they do have challenges as one of the so-called minor sports. And I would think that this is probably the reason why they can't afford to pay the national team coach. But we'll speak to SA Hockey and they will clarify uh, this for us. And then we'll also have a conversation with the general manager of the Moses Mabida Stadium in Deben and now this uh, stadium really divides a lot of people because it manages to attract so many high profile matches just in the next couple of days now they will be hosting the Telkom Knockout semi-final match between Kaiser Chiefs and Orlando Pirates and then uh, also they will be hosting the Nelson Mandela Challenge match between Bafana Bafana and Paraguay and a lot of people believe that it's a favoured venue because most of the local football cup finals go to the Moses Mabida Stadium and there have been complaints about why the finals are not being rotated around the country. Uh, but my understanding is that there is a bidding process that takes place when these big matches come around and uh, it looks like whatever they're doing at the Moses Mabida Stadium, they are definitely getting it right more than the other stadiums. So we'll find out if that's the case and we'll try and understand the business model of the Moses Mabida Stadium and why and how how they're able to attract so many high-profile matches. But first up, we'll speak to SA Hockey. Please feel free to join our conversations at any time on 0891-104-207. Our SMS line is 40938. Our WhatsApp number is 061-4104-107. It's hashtag SAFM Sport On on social media. And we do take WhatsApp voice notes on that number 061-4104-107. <laughs> Why settle for more when you can have the most? Get up to 13% interest per annum with an ABSA fixed deposit account. Your capital and returns are guaranteed and you pay no fees. For more info, visit your nearest branch, call 0860-111-515 or visit absa.co.za forward slash fixed deposit. T's and C's apply. ABSA is an authorized financial services and registered credit provider. Online, offline, above the line, it's all about the bottom line. Fast track, drive results, it's mandatory. Leadership, membership, partnership, who is steering this ship? I don't know. Let's escalate this. If your business speak is more fluff than cutting edge, it's time to up your game with a postgraduate diploma with UNISA's Graduate School of Business Leadership. It's the perfect cap to your degree and paves the way to an MBA or MBL. Applications close on the 30th of November. Visit the UNISA SBL website to apply. Mmm, this is so delicious. What's the occasion? I just want to add a little vava boom to our relationship. I'll be right back. Oh, there she goes again. I'm out of here. Hi, Bo. Tamba! Oh, he's gone again. Man, don't run away from your problems. SMS help to 32110 or send a please call me to 072-315-2574. Keys and C's apply. SMSs cost one red. 
Leading Sport Stories of the Day on SAFM. So then, as I mentioned, eyebrows were raised when the head coaching position of the SA uh, women's hockey team was advertised as a voluntary position following the announcement that coach Sheldon Roston had stepped down from the position. And uh, there is now an appointment that has been made and we will get more from SA Hockey CEO Marisa Langeni, who joins us on the line here. Marisa, good evening and thank you very much for speaking to us on SAFM. Good evening, Clarissa. Good to chat to you. Tell us about the new coach. Coach Robin does have an impressive CV, and I see he's no stranger to the system. Absolutely not. So Robin Pinkle has obviously come through our ranks within South African hockey. His history with South African hockey goes back to days when he was involved with the SA Under-18 teams. He also participated in taking a team overseas, which went to the Junior World Cup, which was an under-21 age. That was in the early 2000s. And he literally has come through all of our ranks. He's worked at every single age group within our system. And um, he's assisted with um, sports science, because that's his background, sports science uh, methodology within the senior women's team as well as the senior men's team. Um, he was also part of the double win at the Africa Qualifier in 2017, which saw both the SA men and the SA women um, winning their respective events to qualify for their World Cup. So definitely a well-rounded individual that has certainly been around the system, is very well known within um, the player ranks of South African hockey, both from a men's perspective as well as women's perspective. Not to mention the fact that he's obviously a renowned name within Southern Gauteng, winning every major title that the provinces have to offer from club level to university level. And so a very good candidate. Yeah, no, sounds uh, sounds like it. What are the expectations or what is, does he have a mandate? He certainly has a mandate. I think one of the, the most important things for us in 2019 is obviously qualification for, for the Olympics. Now, I know that once we start talking Olympics, the topic gets very interesting. <laughs> um, but in terms of, of our perspective, um, you know, he has two opportunities to qualify. One through the hockey series event, which is an FIH route, as well as one through the continental qualifier. So that is our big mandate for 2019. We have to qualify for for, for Tokyo. But the decision will still rest with Saskok if you go or not, if you do qualify. Absolutely. So the the usual um, conversations will obviously transpire with Saskok. Generally, in terms of qualification for the Olympic Games, the IOC, together with the International Hockey Federation, sets the criteria which they agree upon. And often the IOC always prefers that countries have two bites at the cherry, two opportunities to qualify. And hence there's a qualification route as well as there's two other alternate routes. One is the Pro League, which unfortunately we do not participate in due to the fact that the entry fee into that event was just too much for us in South Africa. The other route is the Hockey Series event. So there are three opportunities from an FIH and IOC perspective. What's available to South Africa would be one, the Hockey Series event, as well as the Africa Continental event. And as you've mentioned, the final decision as to which criteria will be acceptable rests with with SASCOC. We have um, followed up with them just today, actually, to find out when we could finalize what they call this code-specific criteria. So every code of sport gets an opportunity to sit around the table with SASCOC and negotiate and agree upfront what that criteria is going to be. So we're up for some interesting times in terms of, of finalizing that conversation with SASCOC. And that will determine which route will be most viable for South African hockey. Okay, we'll also stay close to that. Now, let's go back to this uh, coaching post of the OSA women's team, Marisa. I mentioned earlier on that eyebrows were raised when it was advertised that um, it's a volunteer position. People are surprised to see a head coaching uh, position being advertised as a voluntary position. Please explain to us what this means. The volunteer position um, is simply the fact that none of our coaching staff are full-time or part-time employed individuals. Every single coach within the South African hockey space has a full-time job elsewhere. Some of them are teachers, some of them are based at universities, others are in in full-time employment in corporate companies. And that has always been the case from day one. I think the reason we wanted to ensure that we specify that it's a volunteer position was to try and limit the number of applications that we get um, for the post. Generally, you find international coaches applying, looking for relocation packages, etc., etc. So we didn't want to go through the norm. 
And we wanted to specify up front that we were looking for coaches that obviously understand our South African environment. The fact that we're an amateur sports organization like many federations in the country and that we would not be in a position to pay a full-time salary. So when we do our general budget thing, because I know that we've received a lot of criticism in this regard. So what we do at South African Hockey, every event we go to, we set a budget. We then trim that, but and in that budget, sorry, we also in, include allowances for coaching staff, which generally are five to eight people, depending on, on the, 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 the tour dates, et cetera, and who's available. So we normally set allowances um, for, for those staff. But we find we get to a point where um, the budget exceeds the income that we are expecting, whether maybe sponsors have not come on board or we are slightly short. We then start trimming down the budget and negotiating every single aspect. So we would sit with the coach and say, listen, you want to travel seven days before the event, can you manage five? Then we, we see what the saving is there. Then we start looking at other areas where we can cut, um, and that's the only other area normally is, is staff allowances. Generally, your accommodation costs are set, your flight costs are set, your physio, as well as your um, medical doctor, if you're traveling with one, have set fees, which sometimes you cannot negotiate. So often it is a staff that we fall back on. And once we finalize what that amount is, we then go to players and say, SA Hockey has managed to secure X amount. Um, the staff have donated their allowances. We still have a shortfall or we are now within budget. And that's generally how we work event to event. So, if I, so does it mean that the coach does not get paid? All the national team coaches don't get paid? All the national uh, coach teams do not get paid. They will only receive an allowance if the budget permits for that particular event. Oh, okay, I hear you. So in previous years, how was the reaction then when applicants found out that uh, it was not a full-time position because you're saying that this year you had to highlight that? Yes, previously, you know, we would have people falling off um, the system once immediately they'd find out that, you know, it's not a full-time paid job as that's what they anticipate, especially your international-based coaches. Um, And of course, you know, everybody's looking for an opportunity to be a head coach of a country. So you find that we get a lot of international people applying who might not have the same opportunities within their own environment. So the minute they find out that they it's actually not paid, then they're like, oh, why didn't you tell us to begin with? We would not have applied. So we thought, let's take um, the elephant out of the room. Let's take everything and be upfront and transparent with all applicants and state it. So it has created a stir. It has certainly created an interest point, especially from media and, and from, from corporate. And maybe that in itself will actually highlight the plight of, of small federations like ourselves. And how was the response this year when you then announced, uh, when you mentioned it publicly, um, that uh, it's a voluntary position? Very interesting. From criticism to, geez, we had absolutely no idea. We didn't understand how federations work. To some people just saying it's a pity and how can you expect someone to render their services for free. So there's been lots of mixed reactions. But I think the positive for me, Tabiso, is that people can finally get an indication of the state of, of national federations within South Africa, especially those of us that are amateur, which probably is about 95% of all national federations in the country. Um, and this is something that, that is, has played the sporting system and generally the landscape of sport in South Africa, that federations truly are battling out there, you know, struggling to find corporate sponsors. You know, when you go to a corporate sponsor, Tabitha, and you say to them, um, you know, my full tour cost to go to a World Cup is 1.8 million or 1.9 million. That's just one event. And if you compare yourself to the other big three sports federations where a sponsor can get away with a million rand and get full exposure on national TV, repeats, um, etc., the conversation changes. So I find that it's very difficult finding sponsorship as a, as a small, small code, and especially a code that's not um, prevalent on television. So in terms of exposure, you know, that's what sponsors are looking for. At times, they don't get that. And we are always looking for sponsors that want to partner with us and help us and, you know, go on this journey with us to grow the sport and to, you know, to make a hockey a recognizable brand and a brand that they effectively can own as a sponsor. Those are the kind of sponsors we're looking for. There are other sponsors that um, are just looking for a quick fix. Okay, I'm going to give you a million bucks because I'm going to be on TV for six weeks of the year. 
we just unfortunately are not in that position. Um, but, you know, the response to hockey generally as a sport is starting to grow. I think if you look at the likes of the Premier Hockey League, which we established in 2016, and the fact that we've now got a headline sponsor is testament to the fact that, you know, sponsors are starting to see value in the sport and are starting to see value in smaller sports federations, which is quite positive. And as far as the players are concerned, then, Marisa, do they get paid to play for the country if the coach uh, is a volunteer? No, the, the players do not get paid to be to play for South Africa. As I've mentioned, we are an amateur sports code. We do not have professional leagues. Um, the Premier Hockey League itself is a semi-professional league because it's a short-duration league, which players then obviously earn a fee for. But outside of the PHL, there are no paying leagues within, within South Africa, and nor do players get paid to play for the national team. Marisa, I think you've highlighted something very interesting here. There's a lot of reaction. We're going to have to pick up this conversation some other time, but we'll leave it there for now. Thank you very much for coming uh, on air to just let us know about the challenges that you're facing. And I think a lot of people will now understand what you are going through as one of the so-called minor sports in South Africa. Thank you so much, Karim. Let's have the conversation. 891 Okay, before we have a conversation with the general manager of the Moses Mabida Stadium, let's just have a let's hear a quick word from Tulani Serrero. Uh, we spoke about his return last week, and a lot of people are still talking about it. He did get an opportunity to address members of the media uh, when he joined Bafana Bafana in camp. They play Nigeria this Saturday, and obviously, the first question was about his return to the national team. Uh, it feels good. I mean, uh, back in the country, uh, seeing the guys and. Uh, Everybody in the squad, so it feels good. No, just a nice welcome, you know. I haven't seen uh, most of the guys in a while, so it was nice catching up and uh, it was very nice. What was important um, in making sure that you're back in this team? Nothing, it's, it's my career. It's, you know, I'm South African and uh, I love playing for my country, and you know, there's, there's nothing more than that. Don't have to, to say anything. Yeah, it was uh, just just a normal, simple conversation and uh, understood each other. Next thing is just just simple conversation and I'm here. The most important thing is uh, I'm here and uh, I'm happy to be part of the team. I think we shouldn't make this about me. I think the most important thing is to win on Saturday. It's, it's not really about me. I think the most important thing is we get the three points and uh, uh, be able to qualify for the African Cup. That's the most important thing. Okay, so there you have it. Says it's not about him. He's just happy to be back to Lenny uh, Serrero. He won't tell us about what convinced him to uh, come back. And I also heard today that he's been urging Bafana Bafana supporters to go to this stadium to go and support the national team. And there was also a lot of reaction about that because people felt that he was not the right person to urge fans to go to the stadium. But the guys in camp, the national team is playing on Saturday, guys. The only thing we can do now is get behind the national team and hope that they get the result that they need so that uh, Bafana Bafana can qualify for the 2019 Afcon in Cameroon and everything else we'll have to discuss now after the game. And talking about Bafana Bafana, they will be going to the Moses Mabida Stadium also this month for the Nelson Mandela Challenge match, the centenary celebrations up against Paraguay and uh and uh, we're going to have a conversation now about the Moses Mabida Stadium. It has divided a lot of people because they get to host many high-profile matches. This iconic World Cup facility was last week named as the venue for uh, the Telkom Knockout Soweto Derby semi-final, which sold out in two hours uh, between uh, Kaiser Chiefs and Orlando Pirates. And then, as I mentioned, they will also host Bafana Bafana against a Paraguay. And uh, the general manager of the Moses Mabida Stadium, Mr. Vuse Mazibuko, joins us on the line now. Mr. Mazibuko, good evening, sir. Thank you for joining us on SAFM. Good evening, Tavis. You must be delighted with the vote of confidence and approval that you keep receiving as Moses Mabida Stadium because you get to host these high-profile games. We are delighted to, to host these games and uh, it, it is indeed a vote of confidence uh, to the venue. Uh, but I think it's important to say that we're not being done a favour. Um, we we work, we work hard, um, but I think it, it starts it starts uh, with the preparations for 2010 FIFA World Cup uh, when the stadium was built. I think we uh, we nailed it at a point because the first question was uh, where were we going to build the stadium because that was going to be important for the future uh, events after the, after the World Cup. If you if you notice most stadiums uh, in South Africa and elsewhere that are built are built uh, traditionally. Uh, in the periphery of the cities, and they are not integrated into the city life. 
So we took a conscious decision to build the stadium as part of the of the city life, and um, um, it's it then located within the, the the beachfront, and we upgraded the beachfront to give the stadium the easy access not only to the beach but also uh, to the accommodation in and around uh, the city. So that. Uh, becomes a, a competitive advantage for us when you when you uh, want to host or choose venues uh, for the event. But we did not also, <clears throat> did not also build a facility for match day um, uh, uh, event. Hmm. We did uh, we built a facility uh, that was going to be a venue of choice um, for visitors on daily basis. As you know, that the stadium is not fenced like your traditional stadiums that are. Hmm. Uh, generally fenced, and you go through a gate to access the facility. When you go to Mos Mabida, you can walk the stadium, you can enjoy the facility without going through a gate, without going through security. I think that makes it uh, uh, usable and friendly uh, to the public. But more importantly, it also has other amenities and facilities that the public actually uh, come to enjoy on a daily basis, including your tours, your attractions, and so forth. So that in its own gives us an added advantage, but uh, uh, we were able to uh, think about that at a time when the stadium was designed. So the design element make it uh, a, um, a competitive stadium when compared to others when you have to choose venues. But more <clears throat> more important and added to that, uh, we have put strategies to actually um, attract these events. It's not a, a question of people waking up and uh, wanting to uh, bring events to us because we're in Devon. They do so because we were put in strategies. Our strategy then simply says that the main stadium will host bigger events and the other stadiums in the townships that were upgraded for 2010 will, will host smaller events and those stadiums are also integrated into the main stadium. We then said we'd want to have at least a minimum of 12 major events um, at the stadium in terms of the football content. So that content is made up of uh, us wanting to have two Bafana matches in each season, um, having two finals in each season, and we approach Kaiser Chiefs who are giving us a minimum of five matches, as well as the teams that are based in Devon to each, to each at least give us three Category A matches. So we categorize those matches as those that will only attract people from 20,000 and upwards. And we've been able to sustain that uh, based on, on our strategies and the stakeholder engagement and partners that we have to actually say uh, this is our strategy. So all the content that we receive from a football point of view is not a content that just comes on its own. Mm. The match that we've just uh, mentioned between Bafana Bafana and Paraguay on Tuesday, for instance, we have long said to uh, uh, Safa that we have appetite and interest to actually host that match, more so importantly uh, being the centenary year uh, for Nelson Mandela, knowing uh, that there is no major event in the province that has been hosted this year being the centenary year. And this event has been in the calendar without us knowing who the opposition was going to be, mm -hmm. but it has been part of our plan. So these are things that we do as part of our plan, and we intend to continue to do that and give... Um, our, our supporters and, and people that come to the stadium, not just a match day experience, but a total stadium experience. And it's not only football, Mr. Mazubuka. I mean, you've hosted rugby, you've hosted that cricket match there with Makaya and Dini, and uh, do you understand you've also got other events like music um, events and all of that. Is that all part of the bigger picture and the bigger mandate when you start planning for the year ahead? Exactly, it's exactly that. Um, as you know that uh, uh, this month alone, I mean, we... We don't. Not only we have uh, the Bafana and the and the Derby coming the, the coming week. The following week we also have uh, Philip Mosmapida. Um, the the content that uh, we talk about for Mosmapida, uh, the the football content I've just mentioned. Uh, what we what we do in terms of the strategy, but that content is uh, uh, it, it looks at about 24 events a year uh, as that we normally target, of which at least between 12 and 14 would be football, and the balance of the music would be other lifestyle events and other uh, faith-based uh, events. So we continuously uh, uh, keep and sustain that content because it is important. But more important, the stadium, as you know, was not only built for, for football. It was built as a multi-purpose stadium. We have seen it host, uh, host rugby. Um, we, have, uh, we have now a five-year contract with Comrades Marathon um, as a Finnish venue. 
we finished venue for the first time uh, uh, for Comrades Marathon, and we've signed a five-year contract with them uh, to actually do that. Uh, all the down runs for the next five years will finish at Mos Mabida. So all these uh, events and this content is actually a content that uh, diversifies and indicates that the stadium is not only a, uh, a a football stadium. We are in talks with other uh, sports to actually um, bring them to, to the stadium to actually uh, play there. As you know, that uh, the, the, there is a provision for athletics track. Uh, you can play rap, you can play cricket. Uh, with those federations, we are starting talks because we want the stadium to be used um, not only for football, for football, but also for other uh, sporting events and other lifestyle events as well. And talk to us about the stadium experience. I mean, bar one or two incidents, uh, people have enjoyed the stadium experience at the Moses Mabida Stadium. And every time I've come there, I don't experience the same traffic issues that I experience when I go to some of these big stadiums, especially here in Gauteng. What is it about the stadium experience? I think the, the stadium experience starts with uh, as, as, as you as you leave home. Um, it, it doesn't uh, start with uh, you getting to the stadium. As you prepare to go to 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 a match, for instance, for the derby and for the Bafana match next week, as as you leave home, you you don't want to attend a three o'clock kickoff and leave home at uh, nine o'clock in the morning. You want to enjoy your breakfast. You want to walk the beach. So it's important uh, that the stadium experience doesn't only start with uh, uh, you getting into the van. It starts as you leave home. Um, you must There must be um, a transport that is accessible. And the advantage we have, there are different modes of transport that take you to the stadium. Uh, you can take a, a, a taxi, you can take a, a bus, you can take a train. Uh, all those modes of transport, they take you right to the doorstep of the, of the stadium. So that experience is important because... If we are going to think twice as to how we are going to get access to a stadium, you might as well decide not to go. Uh, it start with, we start with that. But secondly, where you are going to park uh, and access to that parking, um, we have within the, the, the Mosma Peter present adequate parking for those that drive through. That is why it's important uh, for, for, <clears throat> for the stadium experience for people to, to, to get into that. Also, uh, as you get into the turnstiles, and, and the services that you get. So uh, those services are important when you, you buy your, your own drinks and so forth. So that contributes uh, to the stadium experience. As a stadium, like unlike other stadiums, we decided not to outsource uh, the services uh, to, uh, to the spectators for your food and beverages. It's done in-house because you've got a capacity to do that, not only for the suites, but uh, also for, for the public. We do that within the stadium uh, uh, parameters. So that enhances the stadium experience, but also the uh, the atmosphere that comes with that. I think uh, Debenites in particular and people in Guazulu-Natal have embraced big events because you may have uh, all these things and, and provide them as experience, and people don't respond to it. They have responded in a manner that every big event that happens in the stadium, irrespective of who plays, as you may recall, that recently the final that was played by teams that were said to be small teams, our hospitality packages were sold out, the crowd that was there was over 25,000. I don't think you would have received that anywhere else uh, where, where, where you have teams that are known to be, to be small teams. But it has to do with the experience that people uh, have enjoyed in the stadium. But the uh, experience that we've learned from in terms of the, um, uh, the issues that were, 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 were uh, publicly and openly known. And we've learned from them and we've improved. Uh, you may have observed in the in the past few weeks when we had a back-to-back quarterfinals of the telecom, uh, the police presence and the manner in which uh, people behaved based on the experiences that we have had and how we have improved, uh, not only security matters, but uh, uh, dealing with the public in terms of their access and how they need to enter the stadium and encouraging them to actually come early and enjoy the stadium experience. And is there usually a bidding process when all for all these games, the Bafana games and the local games? Uh, do you did mention the one that you've got a, a partnership with Chiefs, but the others, do you bid with other cities and other municipalities and other stadiums? There is no bidding process that happens. Uh, what what uh, for different events, different things happen. Um, let's let's take the derby for instance. Um, in in our. Um, uh, partnership with Cairo Chiefs, it says that we would uh, uh, have three league matches uh, per season and then a minimum of two um, 
knockout competition matches. And uh, it doesn't say whether it's a derby or not. And, and, and those are dependent whether Chiefs is drawn at home and obviously were available. Um, <clears throat> so what we then do at the beginning of the season, we then, uh, then, we then say, what are those three matches? And what are the actual dates uh, for possible knockout matches? And we block off those dates. Um, if, if we, Chiefs is not drawn at home, for instance, we, we lose out. But if they are drawn at home and we know we'd have that match, the same thing happened with this derby. When they were drawn at home, we knew there was a potential and a possibility for them to play in Devon based on the contractual uh, arrangement that we have. So it's, it's, it's part of that. But with PFL matches, for instance, where you have finals and, and, and all of that, obviously we do the same. We, we go to PFL and say, look, um, we are available, uh, but PFL does pay uh, for the stadium hire and so forth. So we don't uh, give PFL money to say, come and, and play in Devon. All that we then say to them is that these are the things that we can offer. Um, if you take your game in Devon, it becomes a national game. Um, somebody in Jobek will, uh, it will be easier for somebody in Jobek to travel uh, from Pretoria if it's, it's super sport playing in Devon than going to other stadiums in the country. And then we say, we guarantee you that you'll not only have supporters that are Devon or and based, but you'll have um, supporters from Eastern Cape who access the province and the city very easy, from Free State, from Johannesburg, and it takes an hour if you fly, but you can decide even to drive, you can decide to take a bus. So the, 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 the geographic location of the stadium is, a, is an added advantage, and you can't take away that from Devon. That's what Devon is. And I've spoken to people, uh, Travis, who would say, I would prefer to go and watch my job-based team in Devon and going to watch them play in Jobek. And I asked the guy why. He says it becomes an experience for me to take my family and take them into a car and drive to Devon because I want to have that good experience. Even if I didn't plan for it, it's affordable. Accommodation in Devon is affordable. Uh, there is, uh, And that affordable accommodation is not far from the city. And you can even walk to the stadium and so forth. So those are, are some of the advantages that we have. And then Devon Tourism has also come into the party in, in, in making sure that they promote the destination and people actually look forward to, to go to Devon. Actually, people in Georgia, they, they always want to find an excuse to be in Devon. And, and it works in our favor and uh, for, for Devon in particular and, and, for, and for events that happen, yeah. Okay. Last one. There's a lot of questions about the pitch, the state of the pitch. Does that concern you, the grass? Are you working on it? It, it concerns us. It concerns us a lot uh, because um, it's not only, uh, it mustn't only be playable, but it must be presentable. It must be uh, easy on the eye. Uh, there's also television and the production that comes with it. Uh, it concerns us a lot. Um, in the past few weeks, the, the, the pitch has taken some beating. And uh, we are turning it around, uh, but uh, we're also looking for a, a long-term solution with uh, with our partners, including PSL, uh, because uh, we we are aware that uh, we we want to sustain uh, our strategy of keeping this content. It must therefore not affect uh, negatively uh, the image of the of the game, and we are w- working around that. And the next season, we are going to be coming with a, a new technology that we we want to introduce that would uh, actually sustain the kind of events that we host. Okay, uh, that's, that's good to hear, Mr. Mazibuka. Thank you very much for joining us and giving us clarity and making people understand why the Moses Mabida Stadium is so popular. I know there's a lot of criticism, but we never really get your side of the story, and I'm glad you've been able to share with us the kind of work that you are doing. Thank you. The Northwest Provincial Legislature's Committee on Premier, Finance, Economy and Enterprise Development will conduct public hearings on the Division of Revenue Amendment Bill on Thursday, the 15th November 2018 at Mosana Community Hall in Zeres, Mohopa Community Hall in Ventersdorp, Purumuk Community Hall and Falbos Luat Community Hall in Madibeng. All hearings starts at 10. 
It is the final EFC fight night of the year on Saturday, 8 December at Times Square in Menlin. Headlined with two title fights plus massive heavyweight clashes. The granite-jawed Andrew Fonseil goes head-to-head with England's Stuart Austin. This Sunday, watch when Austin clashed with the Bulawayo bomber Elvis Moyo. EFC, every Sunday at 10 p.m. on SABC3. Brought to you by SABC Sport. Hashtag SAFM Sport on. Okay, we've got one voice note before we talk boxing. Let's go to the voice note. Okay, do we have the voice note? Hello, SF. Um, this is Mpasele uh, from Le Palale. I just wanted to find out, like, why our national team, Bafana Bafana, why don't we have, um, why don't we have a national stadium whereby? I just suggest that why don't we have a national stadium maybe in Khaute and just use it as Bafana Bafana. We know very well that is Bafana Bafana home ground. We don't have to go to Mpumalanga. We don't have to go to KZN because that's the problem. You take a game to KZN and you expect people from Limpopo to go from Limpopo to go and watch Bafana Bafana at KZN. Okay, so there we have it then. That's the voice note coming through a national stadium. But let's talk boxing now. We've invited Tulani Mbenga, the evolution, to speak to us. He's got a big fight in December. But before we get to him, we wanted to give Mr. Stan Christodoulou just a platform and just to acknowledge and give him the respect that he deserved. He's a Steve Tretter Lifetime Achievement Achievement Award recipient at the SA Sport Awards on Sunday. And he joins us on the line. Mr. Christodoulou, good evening. Thanks for your time and congratulations, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity also to be able to share this with the listeners. What does it mean to you, this recognition? Well, you know, I must just, if I may, just go from my notes I made, and uh, uh, I'd like to just mention, I accepted the Steve Tretter Lifetime Achievers Award with enormous gratitude and pride. You know, to be recognized as having made a difference to others throughout my involvement in the sport that has been my life's work is truly satisfied and humbling. You know, and certainly professional boxing, as you know, has been my life's work. It is, it's over just 55 years ago that I first walked into a tournament in Kwatema to watch the South African men middleweight champion Joe the Ex-Kilingidi knock at his challenger Colton the fighting Vietnam Okotla. From that dramatic moment onwards, boxing had me in its grip and has never let me let go. You know, the very next evening, I judged my first professional bouts, all nine fights on the card at Sakili's Township near Stanerton, and my career as a boxing official and later as an administrator had begun. At that young age of 17, when I started, I could never have dreamed, dreamed that professional boxing would give me so much during my lifetime, that I would lead South African boxing for 29 years, that I would one day referee or judge 242 world title fights, and that I would share the ring with fighting legends like marvelous Marvin Hagler, Roberto Duran, Thomas Hitman Hearns, Alexis Aguayo, and Gennady Triple G Golovkin. But honestly, the highlight of my career has always been far from the bright lights of Las Vegas or Madison Square Garden and far from the CEO's desk in Johannesburg. The times that I look back on with most satisfaction are the ones I spent here in South Africa in and around the boxing wings of Johannesburg, Pretoria and Durban and in Soweto, Quatema, Atridgeville, Mamelodi, Natalspeit and Daverton. In the thousands of bouts that I've officiated, I've seen outstanding champions like Enoch Schoolman Klopper, Elijah Tap-Tap Makatini, Kheri Kutsia, uh, Brian Mitchell, Arnold Taylor, and Vianney Bungo, amongst many, many others. But more often, I've been in the ring with journeymen, boxers whose dreams in the ring far outweighed their ability. But the truth is, I've admired them all equally, champions or journeymen, for both require the same raw courage to step into a professional boxing ring. And by receiving this award, I dedicated it to those wonderful fighters of South Africa, over my lifetime have allowed me to share their triumphs and defeats and I'm most grateful for that. So you can imagine the, the moment that I had to, to, to be there. Uh, Ricky Butler, Zawali Tete also was runners up in their categories but I merged with others and it, this is really a great award. I was privileged to have got the President Mandela's award. I'm in the International Boxing Hall of Fame but when you get the knowledge by the Australian Sports uh, award, you know, uh, it means a lot. It means a lot to me, and I, I'm, I'm really, very, very humbled, as I said, and, 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 and I really am a very satisfied person. And the most important thing is, I don't know if you're aware, next year, the first quarter, I'm gonna, my autobox will be ready 
and it will be published. And I can assure you, it will be a, a, a real novel that is engrossing, that gives you the background of my career. You know, boxing, as you know, the fight game is, the controversy is sensational and never far away. And I can, in that book, I talk about the temptations of all sorts of things that have come in my career. So please look out for that book next year when I, when I have it launched the first quarter of 2019. Well, we'll definitely look out for that, Mr. Christodoula, and we did promise we'll invite you again on our show on Friday to have a part two because we did have a part one with you, but we just wanted to afford you, sir, the opportunity and the platform to say your thank you speech because I was there at the awards and I know you were with the likes of Dr. Ali Baha, but you didn't get a chance to speak and that's why we thought we should give you this platform. I appreciate it sincerely for affording me the opportunity because these are the words that I'm pleased the listeners tonight can also understand what it means to a person like myself to have had like I explained to you, the raw courage of fighters, when on, on, they get in the ring, it's, it takes a lot to courage to do so. So that must all be acknowledged, and that is what made me satisfied. And thank you for giving me this chance to talk to everybody tonight. Thank you very much, sir, Mr. Stan Christo Dulu, a legend of South African boxing, of course, a boxing judge and a boxing referee, and we look forward to that book. And on that note of boxing, let's speak now to the evolution to Lani Mbenge, who joins us on the line. He's 14 and 0. He's been tipped for big things in the sport. To Lani, good evening, and thank you for joining us on SAFM. Okay, good evening, um, uh, and thank you very much for inviting me. You have a big fight in December. Mlulek Nsabo is already tweeting us, saying that he can't wait for those for that fight against Miguel Vasquez. Uh, how are the preparations going, and how much do you know about Vasquez? Uh, the preparations are going very well, Tatibas, and um, everything is uh, folding now because we are left with few weeks to go. And Miguel Vasquez is more of a mover. So he's, uh, he's a mover, uh, doesn't have good punches, but he's a very skillful fighter. He's more of uh, the fighter that I fought, but he's a better mover than, than the one I fought, uh, Diego Chavez. So, I, but yeah. we, we worked on a plan, but we, we did it, uh, as I'm saying. Mm. I had a look at his record. He has uh, 40 professional fights compared to your 14. He's also fought Canelo Alvarez twice. Is his experience a concern to you? Uh, it's not a really big concern because if you look at Diego Chavez that I fought when I was fighting for IPO, he, he had the same uh, uh, record. But it's not, sort of a, it's not a major thing because he's a seasoned fighter. Um, that's the kind of guy that we want. That's the kind of guys that we want to break down, that we want to move in, in, in good spaces in, in the ranks. So it doesn't really concern me. And I mentioned that 14 and 0, you've been tipped for big things in the sport, Tulani Mbenga. How do you see the future? How far are you hoping to go? What are you? What do you want to achieve in this sport? Uh, obviously, people they throw around big names out there, but my my uh, my goal is not um, is not uh, not entered to, to names. Obviously, we want to fight names, but obviously, uh, the bigger picture is, is titles, like the likes of WPC, WPO, and rated number. Number ten by WPO. So if I smash this one, I'm gonna be rated top five. So and I'm rated number number twenty in the world. So obviously, if I smash uh, Nicole Vasquez, we're going uh, top ten in the world. So we we in for big time next year. We in for big five big names. You know, so um, it's 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 good for boxing and it's good exposure and it's good for 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 boxing community the whole. Well, you've smashed all 14 opponents so far that you faced. Who has been your toughest, though? Um, I wouldn't recall, but um, I fought another guy called Diego. Diego from, Cruz, um, yes. Uh, from Diego Cruz from, from Mexico. Um, you know, for WPC International, it was a really hard fight because we didn't expect him to go round. But uh, but he went round, and we, I told everything that that was there that I have in me. But he was still standing there. But I guess with with time, you get experience and you you try and maneuver away like I did with, with Diego um, with Diego Chavez. So yeah, he's one of my toughest opponents. And Tyson from Philippines, one of the toughest opponents that I faced also. Yeah, I was actually there for that fight against uh, Diego Cruz. That was in March uh, yeah. earlier, earlier this year. Now, Tulani, you're also a former SAABU welterweight champion at professional level. You're Commonwealth Games bronze medalist and African champion at amateur level. For you, what has been your biggest highlight so far in your career? Um, I won't lie. My biggest highlight has been uh, the IBO because I didn't, I didn't think I would reach it 
that fast in, in the pro rank because I was turned out. Yeah, the in pros, and then I became a. But I guess with with amateur amateur pedigree, you 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 get a lot of experience from fighting amateur and going around. So obviously, one of my biggest was uh, common games having amateur because people uh, uh, were, were were not. Uh, they, they didn't know my name that time. Uh-huh. So when I came back with the bronze, and I remember at that time boxing had no no medal for for a decade. Yes. So it was one of the of the biggest achievements that I. Then after after that, people started to notice my name, and they started, and I there at the Commonwealth Games I met Amikan. Oh. Amikan was there, so it was one of my biggest. Uh, uh, my biggest achievement, and then I grow obviously was one of my biggest achievements. Obviously, and uh, I really appreciate being an SA champ, so it was one of my biggest also. Okay, those who've just joined us, we are talking to Tulani Mbenga, they call him the Revolution, and we're just wanting to find out more about his career and, of course, uh, preparing for the next fight against Miguel Vasquez. Do feel free to join the conversation 0891-104-207. We take voice notes on 061 on WhatsApp, 061-4104-107. Our SMS line is 40938. Catch summer on three this festive season with the Mzansi Super League T20 exclusively to the SABC3 stage. Don't miss exciting giveaways during this time. You can win tickets to the games, even a VIP box experience and one gigabyte free data up for grabs for each game. One lucky fan stands the chance to win the ultimate prize of a 48-inch LED TV at the end of the MSL T20. Watch out for competition details on your screen or visit our social media pages for all the information. Don't miss the Mzansi Super League T20 between 16 November to 16 December with six competing teams fighting it out in 32 matches. Make sure you visit the SABC3 website and social media pages to find all the match fixtures and times. Catch summer on 3. In a world where the noises of disruption are getting louder, your survival and relevance will require agility. Mancosa, Southern Africa's leading private higher educational institution, has empowered thousands of alumni for over 23 years by providing quality and affordable education. Register now and remain relevant. Mancosa is a proud member of Honoris United Universities. Dream it, we'll take you there. SMS Mancosa and your email address to 34745. Each SMS costs 1,050. Free SMSs do not apply. At SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. Talking to the champ, of course, IBO and uh, uh, Tulani Mbenga, who is joining us on the line now. Tulani, where did it all start for you, uh, this boxing? Tulani, are you there? Oh, okay. We seem to... We're going to try and get Tulani Mbenga on a better line there. Let's try and get him on, on a better line there because I just wanted to find out where did it all start for him because uh, he did have a lot of amateur fights, uh, over 100 amateur fights in his amateur times. And I remember that there was also a connection with, uh, with, with, with the German uh, Federation and it was a German organization rather. And I was hoping that he can talk to us about that. So we're going to try and get Tulani Mbenga uh, back on the line there. Uh, he is fighting against Miguel Vasquez uh, back in December. There is a Still a lot of reaction going on after our conversation with the Moses Mabida uh, Stadium there. And uh, somebody says, where is that? Uh, oh, okay. He wanted to know why is the bidding not done? And then somebody responded to him and said the bidding is done for a cup final a game. And then somebody else says that if you do not outsource food and all that stuff, how does the local community or the local economy uh, benefit? And then Morolong says, contrary to what the PSL told us, uh, the poor general manager will be tongue-lashed and come back a different man. He didn't read the memo. He was uh, brutally uh, honest. Okay, do we have Tulani? Okay, Tulani, we've got you back on the line i wanted to find out how do you look back at your amateur career because i see you had over 100 fights uh my um i had a lot of fights because i i i grew up in east london and Tanzania. so in every weekend we used to have uh, we have a tournament every weekend even 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 now they still they, they still have those uh those tournaments so that's where i i grew up as an amateur and then and then I started campaigning uh, uh, national 2003 when I went for national games in, yeah, in Jobek. Then I, I came with my, my first goal. Then after that, 
everything was equal. We've come part and parcel of the national team, 2010, went to all Africa games, um, came back with the drones, uh, African championships, zone for all of the games. I went to um, World Games, I went to um, Olympic qualifiers. Uh, so um, my amateur really, my amateur um, record and my amateur um, background really helped me to be uh, like a complete fighter that I am today. You also had the bond with a relationship with the German Amacha organization. How did that come about? What was it about? People uh, took it wrongly. People took it wrongly because I, I've got a godmother in Germany. So I was part and parcel of the exchange. There's this youth exchange that they have. Uh-huh. They take people in Eastern Cape. They take people that are that are leaders in sport. So I was part and parcel of that exchange group. So we went to Germany and we spent some some time, like few weeks, and then after that uh, we made connection with the lower section. Um, so uh, and then people took it wrong. Uh, they they said I want to go and boss in Germany, uh, but actually I had a relationship with people there, and obviously they wanted me to to come in and box there, but I, I couldn't. Okay, and you now train at the Smiths Gym in four ways with the likes of JJ Sonjita, Nome Vandongeni. How is it working there at the gym? Yeah, it's working very well because those guys are very hard-working guys. Um, the likes of Sibutsuzo uh, Zingange, the likes of Kabisom um, the likes of, um, as you said, Nome Vandongeni, Ibon Sonjita. We're working very well together. We're a good bunch of guys that work very hard. So in my 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 teammates they they push me hard every day. So it's it's a good relationship that I have with them. Finally, I'm told you also have a twin brother. Does he box also, or has he taken another route? No, she has got a twin sister. Oh, a twin sister. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm a twin actually. Uh, I've got a twin sister. She's uh, she's in politics, otherwise. Oh, okay. The tweet says a twin yeah. brother. And how's your relationship with Spiwa Lucizi? I know you guys were very close. Yeah, the problem is as you go, you go a phone like apart because the calls become different. But actually, we were good friends, but then the, the, the bond changed because we had different things to do and different lifestyles and, and everything changed. Okay. No, Tulani, thank you very much for finding time to speak to us on SAFM. We really, really appreciate it. We just wanted to feature you, highlight you, and also just find out how you're preparing for the fight against Miguel Vasquez. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And you guys, uh, we really appreciate the fact that you are giving boxing uh, an exposure. And you, you must keep doing that. We really appreciate it. Okay, Tulani Mbenga, thank you very much. The Evolution joining us on SAFM, a sport on. And on that note, there's just a, a post that I've seen from Rumble Africa Boxing Promotions. They are saying that greetings to our boxing family is a promotion that prides itself in being the most loved and supported in the country. We felt it's only fair that we announce to you that our golden boy, that must be Azinga Fuzile, has been approved to fight for the vacant IBF intercontinental title against a tough opponent from Russia, Mark Ovanov. We are happy as this will bring us closer to our main goal which is to have our golden boy fight for the world title within the next 12 months hashtag our boxers come first hashtag people's champion so there you have it you had it first right here it's been announced and confirmed by rumble africa promotion azinga fungile's next fight we featured him here on this show and of course we were in east london when he obliterated malcolm classen there inside four rounds that's it from us thank you to leolam kalipi and up next is the viewpoint with mr ashraf agada the big Hita Subu Akula on the viewpoint between uh, that's coming up next. But firstly, uh, let's go to news.